And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Although, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is my crabby brother, Vince Amari, pinch-hitting for the vivacious Lisa Wolf. Right? I'm here. All right. In this hour, it's Suspense, starring eight-year-old Evelyn Rudy from 1958. But first, a special treat. We have Evelyn Rudy on the phone line from California. It's so nice to talk to you, Evelyn. How are you? Oh, I'm very, very well, Cal. Really nice to talk to you as well. Oh, thank you. And I want to give everyone listening the phone line number so they can call in and maybe ask you a question. We're going to be talking for about 10 minutes. So uh, call in now if you want to talk to Evelyn Rudy, 312 642 5600 312 Evelyn, you know, I have uh, I have enjoyed your work over the years. My gosh, you have been in so many TV shows and movie and even radio. We're going to play a great radio episode with you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Kay Thompson. She was uh, someone that you knew really well, and you played her, um, her you know, uh, Eloise, which is a series of books that she that she wrote, and you played Eloise. Was it one of your first things you ever did on Playhouse ninety? It was one of the first, not the very first. The first was Ford Theater with Charles Bickford and Lamont Johnson. Oh wow! It was my very first TV show. My first film was Daddy Long Legs with uh, Leslie Caron and Fred Astaire. Oh my god! And then after that, yeah, exciting way to to step into the world of theater and show business, but. Uh, Eloise was the first big thing. They looked all over the country for a thousand, at least a thousand little girls, and it was narrowed down to three, and then it was narrowed down to me. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is so amazing, really, when you think about that many kids auditioning for something. And Playhouse 90, that was a live presentation, or was that taped? It was, no, it was live. It wow. was a 90-minute live show, so it was just like theater. Yeah. And uh, very exciting. If you messed up, well... Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> no do-overs. And, and listen to this cast of people that uh, Evelyn was with. Ethel Barrymore, Hans Conried, Mildred Natwick, Monty Woolley, Inger Stevens, and it was directed by the great John Frankenheimer. It was. Oh it was wonderful. What a great cast. They were all absolutely wonderful. Conrad Hilton was in it. Yeah. He actually, he forgot his lines. We had an <laughs> elevator scene, and I remember I had to improv in order to get us through the scene. How the heck? <laughs> at eight, were you, so when you were seven? Like seven years I old? Was, 
yeah, I was seven years old, oh six gosh. or seven at the time. And uh, but I taught. I was taught very early by my father, who was also in theater in Germany. Um, if you know what you're doing, right? You memorize your lines, but you don't memorize by rote. You memorize by meaning. Then if something goes wrong, you know what you're talking about. So you can just keep on going till you sure. get back on track. Oh, wow. Wow. And I, and I guess you probably teach <laughs> that lesson. now because... That's very smart. Yeah, you because you are, you are uh, the co-artistic director at Santa Monica Playhouse, right? And I am indeed. Oh, I want to hear about that. So how long have you been the co-artistic director there? Uh, I've been here, uh, I've actually been here since 1966. Wow. I joined a workshop the same day that I started at UCLA. I met my husband here, his first day back from Vietnam. And uh, then we took over in 1973 when the founding director wanted to retire. Um, one night he said, uh, I'm leaving, so I'm going to close the theater unless you want it. We went, all right, we'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it. And that was 1973, and uh, we have been together ever since. Uh, wonderful, wonderful programs for kids, which uh, he was in acting when I, he was little. I was obviously in acting since the time I was three, and we felt it was so important that young people got a good arts background, not to be famous, not to be big stars or make lots of money, but to be able to learn how to communicate, express themselves, and explore their imagination. And that's, we're still doing that today. Wow, 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 wow. How, how did your, your early career, you know, being a, a kid actor, affect your life's work in theater? Um, I was very fortunate. I know a lot of my friends were not so fortunate, and you hear all the horror stories about the, the kids that were forced or the pills or whatever, but I was really lucky in that everybody I worked with had good advice for me. Uh, Fred Astaire said, whatever it is you're going to do, make sure that you love it in your life, and Red Skelton said, uh, if you've got the passion in your heart, then keep on doing it no matter what. And so everybody that I talked to, that I worked with, had the same advice. If it's really, don't let people talk you out of it. If, if you really love it, then you do it and do it because you love it, not because you want the money or the fame, and then share your love and your inspiration with other people. Yeah, so that's great that's advice. what I did. Wow, wow, <laughs> great advice. And you got to work with just so many of the greats. Uh, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) When you think about, I mean, like even I just watched something with you in it. It was amazing. I think you were seven years old. But before we talk about that, weren't you also nominated for an Emmy for that production of Eloise on Playhouse 90? Yes, I was. I was the youngest child ever to uh, get an Emmy nomination. Oh, my gosh. I lost out to Claire Trevor, so you can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. What an honor. What an honor. The youngest person ever to be nominated for an Emmy. Yeah. So I watched something recently. It was in 1957. I'm guessing you're about seven years old in it. It -hmm. was an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, a and, man greatly beloved. Um, yes, yes, yes. And you played Hildegard. I, I, you had me absolute. I was just, just amazed at your performance in that. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Oh, it was, it was so much fun. Everybody on that set, or Cedric Hardwick and Robert Culp, everybody, they were just so wonderful. I was never treated like a child. I was treated like a performer. And I think that's part of what was so wonderful about my experiences that I I got to learn from the best. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say. And, you know, when you watch that, I mean, it's like um, a half an hour or 25 minutes. And I would say you're in that 
thing maybe 24 of the 25 minutes. I mean, it's all you. I mean, it's all, it's really like a tour de force for you, even though there's all these other great people in it. And I, you had me completely mesmerized by your performance. It's seven years old. Unbelievable. It's amazing. And what was it like to, was Hitch around or was he, was Hitchcock around much or? He didn't direct this one, right. but what he did, he always came on the last day and made his presence known. And whenever there was anybody who had a birthday, like a gaffer or a cameraman or an actor, he always had a cake brought in. So uh, he was there with this cake, and everybody just had a really, really wonderful time celebrating somebody's birthday at the end of the of the shoot. Oh, that is that's great to hear because <laughs> I mean, you know, a guy like him. I mean, you know, you don't know. I mean, you just you've seen yep. all kinds of movies on him. You know, Anthony Hopkins played him in a great movie. But you know, yeah. you know, it's nice to hear someone who worked with him that you know he was just like a regular and a sweet man. Very, yeah, very cool. Exactly. So you're teaching kids all the time. You're teaching people. What advice would you give to emerging artists today? I would say, if it's something that you really feel called to do, then work all the time. And that's one thing that's so wonderful about theater. You, you maybe you won't get cast in a film for five years or 10 years, but there are always theaters where you can work. You can create your own theater, your own space. You can audition for smaller theaters. It doesn't have to be Broadway and it doesn't have to be a major motion picture. A dancer would never think of not going to dance class. A sports person would never think of not working out and going to practice. But actors, they spend all their time networking. They spend all their time trying to get into agents, but they don't work on their craft. Mm. And that's really the most important thing. And if you love it, then you will do you'll find a, a corner someplace a closet and it's funny because when we uh, took our students on tour to england we met with uh, sir ian mckellen before he was wow. sir and they asked what's your advice and he said exactly the same thing work 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 find something to do in your profession all the time wow yeah that's so that's so true <laughs> now like we're on we're on coast to coast with radio stations all over the country KRLI uh, KRLA is our is our affiliate out in the West mm-hmm. Coast. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's a lot of people out there listening right now. Tell us what if they were in your area and they wanted to if they wanted to uh, be taught by you and there's a website obviously santamonicaplayhouse.com santamonicaplayhouse.com. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people listening that maybe are thinking about uh acting as a career? I would say come and try it out. We have workshops for kids. We have workshops for adults. All of those workshops create plays with the members and the directors and our playwright in residence. And then they perform. So they're doing rehearsing, practicing, and performing at the same time. And then, of course, we have a professional company as well. So we're doing plays all the time, classes all the time. They should just come and contact us and find out what about us might attract them and how they might want to Stick their toe into the water and see if it's something that they want to do. SantaMonicaPlayhouse.com is the website. All right, so well, we only got another couple minutes, and uh, and we do have a few people, but I wanted to I got to ask you about this radio play that we're going to um, present mm. for our listeners. Um, it's called Zero Hour, 1958 yep. radio broadcast on probably the best show on radio, Suspense, which was on the oh, air 20-plus yes. years. It was a Ray yes. Bradbury uh, story called Zero Hour. You were eight mm-hmm. years old. Do, do you recall doing this show? Do you recall going in and, you know, taping it or whatever the case may be? Yeah, 
I do indeed. I actually remember all the, the shows that I did back then. It was uh, William Robson was the director, right. I believe. Yeah. And uh, was really nice. Also treated me just like another one of the people. Didn't coddle me or get upset because I was a kid. And every and we did a read through, and then we did the show, and that was basically the way uh, radio. The shows that I did were like that. Sometimes it was not even all the actors there. I did an Amos and Andy, and I was so excited to meet them. And then when I got there, it was just me. And I just <laughs> did my line. <laughs> that was it. Oh but my gosh, that's so funny. So you, so you, you probably went into um, CBS or the KNX Studios, yeah. right? I, I believe it was CBS. I couldn't swear, yeah, but I it, think it, it was well, CBS. Well, CBS was, yes. Suspense was on CBS. And uh, I remember when we talked a little while ago, you weren't even, you didn't remember it was a Ray Bradbury story, right? This was a I, famous Ray Bradbury story. I know, and uh, Ray Bad- Bradbury actually tried to date my mother-in-law once upon a time. <laughs> what a small world, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that is hilarious. Well, I have we have two radio shows uh, from Suspense that you start in. This one we're going to listen to on this edition of Hollywood 360. It's called Zero Hour. It's a terrifying mm-hmm. story. I mean, you are, you're amazing yes. in this. Oh, my gosh. Wait, <laughs> Folks, wait till you hear Evelyn Rudy at eight years old in this. And then we have, I have another one that is more of a Christmas story. So I'm hoping that you'll come back and be on again uh, around Christmas time and we'll play it. It's called Dog Star. You remember that one? I, I do, yeah. yes. Wow. Oh, I would love to. I'm happy to come back at Christmas time. Well, that'd that be, would, that be, would cool. be awesome. Well, all right, one more time, SantaMonicaPlayhouse.com. That's how you can get a hold of Evelyn Rudy. You can learn more about her um, co-artistic directing there at Santa Monica Playhouse. And it has been such a pleasure, Evelyn, to talk to you on the air. My listeners are um, very lucky to get to hear you. And we're going to hear you now in a radio broadcast of Suspense that you are just incredible in. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cal. Pleasure talking to you. All right. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. When we come back, we're going to tune into Evelyn Rudy in Zero Hour by Ray Bradbury on Suspense. You won't want to miss it. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Yeah, I got my crabby brother Vince with me. What's up, crabby? Hey, you know what? I'm not crabby at all today, but 20 years ago today, a day that will live in infamy. What happened? I was crabby. What, what happened 20 years ago? Today, 20 years ago, October October 14th, yeah. 2003. What happened? Well, uh, 
Brown, does, Brown dropped the fly does ball? It, no. Does the name Steve Bartman ring a bell? Oh, but today was Bartman. You talk, well, Bartman, huh? Oh, yeah. Wow. 20 years ago tonight. Wow. Wrigley Field. Yeah. My yeah. brother <laughs> he lives and dies by the Cubs, man. And I died that day. Oh, I'll say. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Well, you oh, know what? Well. You are not going to believe the broadcast we're going to play, bro. It's unbelievable. We're going to turn the lights down low here in the studio. We're okay. going to listen to this, uh, this suspense episode. Of course, suspense on the air for... 20 years. It was the best mystery drama show of the golden age, billed as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, and you're going to hear why. This is a May 18, 1958 broadcast. Our guest, Evelyn Rudy, stars in Zero Hour, an invasion broadcast. Let's tune it in. Part one of Suspense. Suspense. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson. All the tender platitudes about the innocence of childhood are uttered by grown-ups. As any realistically observant parent can tell you, small children are thieves, liars, and potential murderers. And no grown-up can hope to understand the savage jungle in which the little one struggles to exist. There is no line of communication. Words are useless. Only with love, discipline, and luck can the helpless parent hope to lead the bewildered child toward the grown-up world where things are not always what they seem. But what if the parents were to be denied that opportunity? What if the innocent little children were to take over the world at five o'clock some quiet summer afternoon? Listen, Evelyn Rudy stars in Ray Bradbury's chilling story of childhood, Zero Hour. And now, Zero Hour, starring Evelyn Rudy. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. What a game. Such excitement the children hadn't known in their whole lives. Mink talked earnestly to someone near the rosebush, though no one was there. And then the two little girls shouting and laughing at each other. Such fun, such tremendous joy, it was all Mink's mother could do to get her grimy and excited daughter into lunch. Goodness, Mink, I've never heard that you racket out in the garden. What are you and Anna up to? The most exciting game ever. Just ever. Oh, and what's the name of the game? Invasion. Invasion? Well, invasion will just have to wait until you've eaten your lunch properly. Now, slow down, young lady. Do you hear me? Can't. Drill's waiting for me. Drill? Well, what a peculiar name. Is he a new boy in the neighborhood, dear? He's new, all right. I don't think I've seen him. Which one is Drill? Oh, he's just around. I've got to go now, Mom, if we're going to have the invasion. You finish your milk, miss. Now, who's invading what? The Martians are invading the Earth. Oh, I see. And Drill's a Martian, hmm? I think so. He's had a very hard time getting here. I should imagine. They couldn't figure out a way to attack Earth. How to get in or something. And Drill says they have to do it by surprise. And even get help from your enemy. Oh, a fifth column. Yes. And all this time, they haven't been able to figure out how to attack. Until one day, they thought of children. 
Well, that was bright of them. And they thought of how grown-ups are so busy, they never look under rose bushes or on lawns. That's where Drill is now, under the rose bush? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with all his friends, too. And he says there's something about kids under 11 with imagination. It's real funny to hear Drill talk. It must be. Well, you can run along now, so you can have your invasion before dark. Bath tonight, school tomorrow, you know. Drill says I won't have to take any more baths. Oh, he does, does he? And we can stay up till ten o'clock. Well, your friend Mr. Drill better mind his P's and Q's, or I'm going to call up his mother. That's just it. Drill says you're dangerous, because you don't believe in Martians. Just like you think Drill's a kid. Well, he's not. And they're going to let us run the world when they get in. All of us kids. And I might even be queen. Well, that's nice, dear. Now run along. Mom? What is it, dear? Mom, when the invasion comes, we'll have to get rid of you and Daddy. But I'll be sure it won't hurt very much. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. Hello? Hello, Mary. Helen! How are you? Well, how nice. Are you in town? No, I'm up home in Plainfield. I was just thinking of, you thought I'd call. Well, it's long distance, though. You shouldn't. Oh, I can afford three minutes. How's Henry? Oh, fine. And Bill? Just fine. What about Ming? Oh, wonderful. Noisier than ever. She's got a new game now. It's taken the place of hopscotch. Invasion. Is she playing that, too? Mm-hmm. Are yours? Same thing. Some kind of geometric jacks, I suppose. <laughs> Isn't it a scream? All the kids their age are playing it up here. Timmy's got a crush on some guy named, um, Drill. I think that's what it is. Must be a new password. Mink likes him, too. I didn't know it had got to your part of the world. Word of mouth, I suppose. You know kids. Oh, sure. Funniest thing, I got a letter from my sister in Boston. She says her kids are playing it, too, sweeping the country. Well, I wonder where they learned it. Well, don't ask me. All I know is what Timmy told me at lunch. Zero hours at five o'clock. When? Five o'clock today. That's when the invasion's going to be. These kids and their imagination. Oh, I wanted and to And they talk a little more. Schoolgirl friends. So Casual you know, woman talk, but Mrs. Morris was thoughtful. And it's fun. She was thinking oh, of other things. Helen, I'm so glad. Of adults, of little children with imagination, rose bushes, and their unseen friend named Drill. And she thought of how much she'd forgotten about being a child. And she wondered about Mink. And all the kids everywhere who at that moment were playing Invasion. Mm, that's the first portion of Zero Hour, written by the incredible sci-fi author Ray Bradbury. And it stars our uh, guest, Evelyn Rudy. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Evelyn Rudy from Santa Monica. And uh, she, here she is on this broadcast, eight years old, and she's doing a phenomenal job. You heard her saying how she went into KNX Studios, CBS, did a table read, and then recorded it. Because in 1958, they were recording these. So, all right, we'll get back to suspense after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. 
Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, this is Hollywood 360. Across hundreds of radio stations coast to coast, Lisa Wolf is in Phoenix. Well, she's actually in Sedona, Arizona, um, and my brother is pinch hitting for her because uh, her daughter's getting married tonight. So she is out there. Congratulations to Zoe. Congrats. Yeah. Um, uh, so Lisa will be back next week. My crabby brother Vince uh, here to um, to handle the uh, co-hosting duties. Thanks, bro. No, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I enjoy it. You get uh, two Amaris tonight. You yeah. get the uh, Amari uh, twins. <laughs> uh, and, uh, folks, if you're listening to this radio uh, show out in um, in the country somewhere and your station does not carry the full five hours for any reason, well, you might want to consider getting the podcast. We have a five-hour podcast that we send to you every Monday. It's the show that we do on Saturday nights, just two days later. Thanks to the great bubble bath himself, Mike Estella. He gets it all ready. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And he sends it to uh, everyone that subscribes to the podcast. And he also tacks on an extra hour called Radio Rarities, which is a scripted series that Lisa and I co-host, where we take a very rare radio show and we talk all about it. Carl Shadow writes it. Mike produces it. And it's a super fun show, and that gets tacked on to the five-hour Hollywood 360 show. Now, there's two ways you can get Hollywood 360 sent to you every Monday right to your email on a link that never expires. You can sign up to the month-to-month program, which is $5.99 a month. So that would be basically $72 a year to get it sent to you uh, every single week. Or you can pay one time, a one-time lifetime fee of $100, and um, every single week for as long as we're on the radio doing this show, and we believe we'll be on for many, 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 many more years, you will never pay again, one-time fee, and we will send you an official Hollywood 360 coffee mug, and I got to tell you, we've been sending these out like crazy, and uh, so many people out there, so many people that have the coffee mug have sent me pictures of them. You know, drinking the coffee mug, it's so oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. nice. You just got one today from one of our listeners, Patty. You know who you are out there. Thank you for that. And yeah, made my day. Um, so, yeah, so if you would like to get a coffee mug, sign up to the podcast. Now, if you are a Classic Radio Club member, I would ignore this offer because you already get the podcast sent to you as part of your Classic Radio Club membership. But if you are not a Classic Radio Club member and you would like to get the podcast, Consider either one of those options, a one-time lifetime, get a, get a coffee mug, or month-to-month at five ninety nine. To learn all about it, just go to our official website, Hollywood360Radio.com. 
hollywood360radio.com. At the very top of the site is all the information on signing up. And, um, yeah, we really appreciate you signing up and getting the podcast, supporting the show. And that way you're hearing the full five-hour show because not all of our stations, bro, carry the full five hours, which is uh, it's a tragedy. And you know what's great? Hmm. These shows are so pristine. Yeah, thanks. I mean, they're just like live. They're, they're almost like live. We we take a lot of pride in making sure the shows sound awesome, and uh, that's uh, that's Mike Bubblebath uh, Costello too. <laughs> Bubblebath. Yeah, he is the one that uh, makes sure these shows sound so great. And we start with the master recording, so that helps. We are listening to a uh, terrific episode of suspense it's called zero hour with our guest evelyn rudy she was eight years old when she did this show let's get back to it now you're going to love the uh this episode of suspense in a moment we continue with the second act of suspense another visit with joe and daphne Forsythe. joe Joe. Joe. Joseph. Yeah, yeah, I'm up. I'm up. Pour the coffee. I'll be right in. Relax. It's three in the morning. Huh? I said relax. It's three in the morning. I was relaxed. Daphne, why did you wake me up? Well, I was just wondering what happened to our savings bonds. You were what? I had a dream. I dreamed you lost all of your money and all we had left were our savings bonds. I see. So I just wanted to make sure they were all all right. They're all right. They're with the other important papers. You're sure? Of course I'm sure. Well, I just don't want anything to happen to them. Savings bonds are the most secure form of investment. Why, the whole faith and credit of the United States stand behind those bonds of ours. Uh Uh-huh. So they're even better than dollars in your pocket, because the government stands behind them and protects them. Uh Uh-huh. And they protect us, too, Joe. Every bond is an investment in our country, in our security and freedoms. Joe? Well, how about that? He feels so secure he went back to sleep. Mm. Good night, darling. And now, starring Evelyn Rudy, Act Two of Zero Hour. Inside the Morris house, an hour drowsed by. While all across the town, in other gardens and other backyards, little children were excitedly playing a game, talking to rose bushes and grass lawns, trees and shrubs. Even children in apartment houses high in the air, comparing with potted plants, cactus and ivy. Mrs. Morris had finished her mending and gone back to the kitchen when Mink burst in. Hello, dear. Hi, Mom. Can I have a glass of water? Oh, of course. I'll get it. Pi r squared, 47. A over 56 to the 7th degree. What, dear? Oh, oh, nothing, Mom. Here's your water. Thanks. How are things going? Hmm? The invasion. Oh, that. Yes, that. Almost finished. Drill says we should be ready on time. Five o'clock? That's right. How did you know? Well, Helen called me from Plainfield. She says Timmy's playing it, too. Hey, that's keen. I guess all the kids are, aren't they? No, not all of them. Not guys like Jill Essling and Jimmy Woods. They're growing up. They make fun of us. They're worse than parents. Well, 
We'll get rid of them. Creel says it's okay to kill them, too. Now, I don't like that kind of talk, Mink. Do you hear me? I don't like it at all. Oh, Mom. I mean it. You keep on that way and there's no more playing. You'll have to tell Anna to go home and you'll just stay inside until bedtime. I'm sorry. Well, I should think so. Thanks for the water, Mom. Mink. Uh-huh? What did those numbers mean? What numbers? Those numbers you were saying to yourself a minute ago. Oh, that. They're things we have to do to get Drill and his friends out. That's all. Look, dear, why don't you and Anna go down to the drugstore and get yourself some ice cream? You don't have to use your allowance. I'll give you the money. Haven't got time, Mom. Thanks. Well, I never thought I'd hear you say that. I gotta go now, Mom. Now, wait a minute. Mink, I want you to tell me the truth. What is this invasion silliness? It isn't silly. It's... It's just a game, that's all. We're just playing at invasion, Mom. Excuse me, I've got to get back now. See you later. Mrs. Morris was disturbed. She wasn't sure why, but because she was disturbed, she did something she didn't usually do. She called her husband at the office. Hello, dear. Hello, Henry. I'm sorry to bother you, but Miss Maxson said you weren't busy. Well, not too. I should be able to get home early today. Is everything all right? Yes. Are you all right? Fine. Ming? She's... Henry. What, dear? Oh, nothing. I just felt like talking to you for a minute, that's all. Listen, are you sure you're all right? Yes. Mink been getting on your nerves? No, not really. She's playing outside. She's fine. Honey, is something wrong? Well, no, I told you. I, I was thinking about you and I wanted to talk, that's all. What time do you think you'll be home? About five, maybe a little earlier. Five? Oh. Hey, what do you mean, oh? Well, I was just thinking... Oh, it, it's nothing, really. Goodbye, dear. You are okay, aren't you? Yes, I'm fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Another hour passed, and it was half past four. Outside, it was quiet. The two little girls more intent than ever upon the endless movement of their game. Mrs. Morris watched from the window, and she had never known Mink to have such powers of concentration. She had turned on the radio and sat drinking a cup of coffee, turning over her thoughts. Children. Children. Love and hate, side by side. Sometimes children love you and hate you, all in half a second. Strange children. Do they ever forget or forgive the whippings and the harsh, strict words of command? I wonder. I wonder. How can you forget or forgive those over and above you? Those tall, silly dictators. Those parents. Mom! Uh, what is it, dear? Have we got a piece of lead pipe and a hammer? Well, I don't know. There might be in the garage. What do you want them for? Oh, we just need them. Well, if you tell me, I can go I and... can get them. Thanks, Mom. Is something wrong? Yes. Drill's stuck halfway. If we could get him all the way through, it'd be easier. Then all the others could come through after him. Well, can I help? Thanks, Mom. I can do it. Well, you better hurry, Mink. I want you to take your bath before your father comes home. All right. He's coming home early and... Mink? Mink? Mink had disappeared behind the shrubs. And Mrs. Morris knew it was ridiculous to make an issue of it. And besides, what was the issue? Invasion? Drill? Zero hour? Just a child's game. 
Time passed. The curious waiting silence came upon the street, deepening. Then from the living room, Mrs. Morris heard... Five o'clock. Zero hour. It had come. And now it had gone. But was the clock right? And Mrs. Morris, knowing how foolish it was, knowing it was five o'clock, went to the phone and dialed. Oh, silly. Silly. The time is 4.54 and 20 seconds. In a moment, we continue with the third act of Suspense. We have, together, ample capacity in freedom to defend freedom. This is NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. NATO possesses a shield of well-equipped, highly trained land and sea forces, plus tactical air support and special units. The NATO shield extends from north of Norway to the eastern mountains of Antolia in Asian Turkey. Complete disposition of forces is covered by a radar warning system plus a perfected network of telecommunications enabling the Supreme Commander to direct operations with extreme rapidity over a 2,000-mile front. The United States of America is a part of NATO. You should be aware of and alert to the programs and objectives of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And now... Starring Evelyn Rudy, Act Three of Zero Hour. Four fifty-four and twenty seconds. And Mrs. Morris knew that it wasn't as silly as she had thought, because it wasn't five o'clock yet. Not zero hour yet. And then she heard the car drive in. And her husband greeting her daughter. Hi, Meg. Hi, Daddy. How's it going? Fine. You got a kiss for me? I haven't got time now, Daddy. Now, that's a nice thing. What are you doing? We're playing Invasion. Swell. Your mother in the house? Yes. Okay. Be good. I will. Zero hour in a few minutes, Daddy. All right. I'll be ready. <laughs> Mary? I'm in the living room, dear. Oh. Hi. Hi. Our daughter didn't have time for a kiss. How about you? <laughs> Hard day? Ooh, not particularly. Would you like a cocktail? You read my mind. Martini? Perfect. Anything exciting happen today? No. Oh, Helen called. Oh? From Plainfield. I told her she was crazy, but she just felt like calling. Like you calling me this afternoon, huh? Crazy, huh? What was that all about? I told you, I wanted to. Uh, incidentally, what's this new game the kids are playing? Invasion? That's a nice, depressing thought. Is Mick all right? Come to think of it, she looked kind of funny. She's all right. What time is it, Henry? A oh, couple minutes after five? Why? Well, no, the clock's wrong. By your watch. Hmm? Oh, uh, I've got two minutes, too. I'm probably slow. You got something on the stove? No. Just wondered. Honey, I... Hey, 
Look at me. Now, what's the matter? Nothing, really. Now, listen. Really? Mink's been up to something. Oh, of course not. Well, then what? Well, I guess I'm just a little tired and upset, that's all. You want to go out for dinner? No, I've got steak in the icebox. I'll tell you what, I'll barbecue it. How'd that be? Fine. What was that? What? I thought I heard something. I didn't. I must have been imagining it. Boy, you are jumpy. Why don't you have a drink? It'll do you good. No, I don't want one. What time is it now? Mary, what is this? I mean it. Now, something's wrong, and I want to know. Oh, it's silly. It's, it's just silly. I'm on edge, that's all. Mary, there's... I am. I don't like it. Now, that kid's done something, hasn't she? I'm going to get her in. No, Henry, please don't. She hasn't. It's, it's nothing at all. I just... What's that? I don't know. Those kids haven't got anything dangerous out there, have they? I noticed a lot of junk lying around. I thought it was a game. She wouldn't have done it herself. They've made her do it. What the devil you is it? You better go out and tell them to stop playing now. It's after five. You tell Mink to put off the invasion till tomorrow. Tell her. What are they up to? I'd better take a look. Mink? Mink! Good Lord, it's outside there. No. No, it's upstairs. I know it. In the attic. That's where it is. Mary, Mary, it's not up there. It's outside. It's in the attic. That's where it is. Her mind had worked that quickly. Any excuse to get her husband away from the outside to get him upstairs to the attic in time. And outside, there were more eerie explosions. And they could hear the children screaming with delight. It's not in the attic, it's outside. The mink's out there. Now, what's the matter with you? Oh, no, I'll show you. Hurry. Get it back quick. <laughs> now we're safe until tonight. Maybe we can sneak out later. Maybe we can escape. Are you crazy? Why'd you throw the key away? For heaven's sake, the kid's out there. You oh, wanted you to get her. You don't know. You don't. We've got to stay here. We've got to. You've got to stay here with me. I don't know how I can get out. Where's that light switch? Shh. Quiet. Please be quiet. They'll hear us. They'll find us. Please. There's a noise again. It's in the house now, Mary. Mary, what is this? What's happening? Now, you know. Answer me. No. Stop that, Mary. Somebody's downstairs. Now, who's down there? Who? No, 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 no. Please, please. Mary. They might go away. Please, please. And between his wife's terror and the electric coming from below, Mr. Morris felt a great fear. They trembled together in silence in the attic. Mr. and Mrs. Morris, parents of the little girl named Mink. Then they heard steps coming up the stairs. And a voice. And a queer, cold light became visible under the door crack. A strange odor in the alien sound of eagerness in Mink's voice was almost more than they could bear. Mommy? Daddy? And another sound. And the lock to the attic door melted. Mink. Mink, with bright little eyes and tousled hair, peered inside. And behind her, tall, wavering blue shadows... Frightful shadows. Peekaboo! Suspense. In which Evelyn Rudy starred in William N. Robeson's production of Zero Hour, written by Ray Bradbury, and adapted for suspense by Anthony Ellis. Supporting Evelyn Rudy in Zero Hour were Lillian Bayef, Ellen Morgan, Carl Swenson, and Vic Perrin. Listen.
Listen again next week when we return with Ted Reed starring in a first radio play about the Beat Generation. Its subject, murder. Its title, Like Man, Somebody Dig Me. Another tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. All right, there you have it. Suspense starring the great Evelyn Rudy as Mink uh, in a terrifying episode called Zero Hour Evelyn Rudy, eight years old during that broadcast, May 18th, 1958. Along with Evelyn Rudy, you heard uh, Lillian Bioff, along with Alan Morgan and Carl Swenson, Vic Perrin in that program as well, produced, directed by William N. Robeson. Um, terrific episode of Suspense. We have aired this episode before um, with a different cast. It was done a couple of times on Suspense, and... Um, I did not have a very good quality copy of this show, so I reached out to fellow collector and suspense expert Joe Webb. And Joe, thanks to Joe Webb, he had this show in his library, and I want to thank him for providing a a, a nice-sounding episode of uh, suspense uh, for us for this broadcast. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Back in 1962, bro, Arch Obler, who's famous for Lights Lights Out. Out. Yeah. He came out with a Capitol record called Drop Dead. And it had like all these scary little five, ten minute vignettes. We're going to play some of them. For the rest of our show, I'm going to start with one in the next hour called The Dark. And I know you've heard it. It's the one where it turns people inside out. You've heard that episode, haven't you? Uh, I don't recall. Yeah, well, you're going to love it. <laughs> We're also going to tune into a uh, funny Halloween episode on My Favorite Husband from 1949, starring the great Lucille Ball along with Richard Denning. But we will start things off with The Dark. That's in our next hour. Stick around. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform. 